0: Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. There's going to be a payday one of these days. Now, this is the way the Lord Jesus Christ had to say it. You'll turn in your Bible, Matthew, the 25th chapter, and beginning with the first verse, you will find him saying it in this fashion. Jesus speaking, you saying, On that day the kingdom of heaven will be like ten girls who took their oil lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and the other five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any extra oil with them, while the wise one took containers full of oil with their lamps. The bridegroom was late in coming, so the girls began to nod and fall asleep. It was already midnight when the cry rang out Here is the bridegroom, come and meet him. The ten girls woke up and trimmed their lamps. Then the foolish one said to the wise one, Let us have some of your oil because our lamps are going out. No, indeed, the wise one answered back, there is not enough for you and for us. Go to the store and buy some for yourselves. So the foolish girls went off to buy some oil. And while they were gone, the bridegroom arrived. The five girls who were ready went with him to the wedding feast, and the door was closed. Later the other girls arrived. "Sir, sir, let us in, they cried. But I really don't know you, the bridegroom answered. And Jesus concluded, Watch out then, because you do not know the day or the hour. Lord, help us to understand what you're trying to tell us about a way for us to live today. I remember one time thinking about this text with a group of of young people. And I remember very well, one of them concluded, Well, Sunday he's going to try to scare us to death. Well, that's not uh, what we're trying to, to do this morning, to scare anyone. But sometimes it's good for us to be aware of the fact that uh, who we are and where we are, uh, so that we might be able to plan our course properly. I was talking about on Monday, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, lose track of time, a young lady. And she was thinking at that time, she said, I wish this were Wednesday. And so I couldn't help but uh, ask the question, after the group of us was talking there, I said, well, what is so important on a Wednesday that you want to wish these days away? And she said, well, if it were Wednesday, I would know tomorrow is payday. Well, we're all concerned about uh, those kind of things. the Lord Jesus Christ, actually, if you think of it in terms, of it's not said exactly this way, tomorrow's payday, but it could well be what Jesus was saying when he talked about uh, the sowers in the field that uh, one day that they would reap. That's what he was talking about. We remember he told a story about uh, some people who were hired by a man, a farmer, to come and help uh, uh, with his crops, and some came at early hour and some came at later hour, and of the day he gave them all the same wage. And you remember the ones that came at the early hour were greatly distressed because their payday was all the same. So he did think in terms of a payday. And that's precisely what he's talking about to hear within the scriptures. And it calls for us to have a certain attitude in relation to that payday. Now, if you want to read the sacred pages of history that we have recorded within the scripture, uh, you read the pages of history of, of the church and of Christians. Down to the ages, you will know that this is the thing that helped them study on their course. this was the thing that helped them study in the Roman arena when they were being fed to the lions and being burnt in tar, and all the other things that happened to them. The thought, the concept, the knowledge that they had of what they had when they had the Lord Jesus Christ is a thing that in the midst of the storm, that kept them right on course the thing that you and I are talking about today. Now, I am not so much interested in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ as such this morning, but I will leave it to you. The scripture does declare that in the last day that there will be a great confusion upon the face of the earth. There will be uh, frustration and wars and rumors of wars, and the whole world will be tied up in it. Well, I'll leave it to you to judge whether or not the time is at hand, but I am more concerned about the way... Uh, that we spend these hours together. And you know, in our scripture, it's not necessarily that the emphasis you see is on uh, the party that was at the end of the the bridegroom coming, but it's what was happening between the time of the announcement and the time of the great party. And this is precisely what you and I want to be concerned uh, with this morning. This is what we're about, the attitude that you and I have today. What kind of waiting is it that you and I are tied up in? Now, it's interesting to note the way that some people face this business of in this period here of waiting. I have a friend. He's got a heart as big as a pumpkin. And he's just, in many ways, the most fantastic person that I've ever met. But in some ways, he's the most obnoxious person that I've ever met. He anyway, raised this character, and I do think a lot of him. I wouldn't talk about him like this, and I tell him to face this. But we were having a breakfast meeting the other morning, and the other person was supposed to be there so was about 15 minutes late. Well, that was good for him because he's always late. Well, anyway, but my friend wasn't used to this. And so he spent the time there at the table writing and raving and being obnoxious about the guy and saying all kinds of things, what he could be doing with that 15 minutes. And, why well, he didn't enjoy my personality at all. And I couldn't tell it say, if I were very sensitive about this situation, I'd just get up and leave you sit here by yourself and wait for him. Spending his time being, being so uptight about it that he couldn't even appreciate the fact that there was a little lady there trying to receive our order and the surroundings and everything was wonderful and beautiful. But he was oblivious to it. How do we spend this time of ours that we are waiting for the fulfillment of the kingdom of God? Now, dear friends, there is a possibility for you and I to spend this time in a very obnoxious way, and a very unfortunate way. Perhaps the great sin that you and I are involved in is not so much of what we have done, but what we do not do in this period that you and I are in today. I am afraid that it is true of us that we have grown weary and well-doing, and many people have wrecked us. What is it that causes people to lose their interest? In the kingdom of God, I do not know. I guess each one has a, a different excuse for it. But I, I suppose deep down somewhere, it's all just about the same, though. But I think I would be a better preacher if I, I know what if, if I knew how to handle these situations. You see, the real reason why that we quit—we use all kinds of excuses for it. But somehow, some way, our relationship with God has not matured the way that it ought to mature. And so basically, that is the reason why that we leave and we fall away. And in those last days, there will be a great falling away within the church among those people that say they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we do not know when he will come, but one sure thing we are of, and that is that he is going to come. So how do we take our lumps and bumps that come to us in life? How do we present ourselves? before our Heavenly Father. How much patience do you have with life to the degree not that you just sit on the sideline and sigh or do nothing? But the patience that tells you to to be active within what you're doing with a smile on your face. Because you know certain things. You know the thing about it is I, I do not know what has happened to the enthusiasm uh, that you and I are to have as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and his return, or as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship to him. What has happened to us? It looks like to me that we would face this time with a great deal of anticipation, and that can be translated into just one common word that we use today, and that is with a great deal of enthusiasm. But what has happened to us in relation to our enthusiasm? Oh, we have enthusiasm, but what do we get enthusiastic about? I was told some time ago that there was one that uh, got so excited in the uh, basketball game that uh, they had to ask him to leave the building. Well, that's not bad. You know, you built you a ball game, and I was out here the other day, and I was hollering and screaming and yelling, a little fellow walked by me and said, Is that the preacher? I said, Yeah, honey, that's the preacher, and they're not doing too well out there either. <laughs> We expect people to get enthusiastic out there, but when it comes to the basic things of life that where our real excitement should be lodged and what should turn a person on from inside out about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's given to us and our parts and place in his great kingdom today. What has happened to us? It's very difficult for us to get enthusiastic about it. Well, I tell you this morning there was a class and I, right in that kitchen there. I don't know what they do in that kitchen, but was right enthusiastic about it. I wanted to go down, but I didn't get a chance to. But I heard, listen to this. I love this. Touches my soul really, because I said too. That class decided that they're going to raise a thousand dollars on this organ. But more power to tell you. Count on me. If you got some goodies, I'll come and try to buy some. <laughs> I'll help out. Huh? Enthusiasm. I told you this about, but it comes to my mind again, and I wish that I could be something like this when I grow older. But I was at a funeral of my cousin here not too long ago, and one of my old aunts that's 98 years of age, that is a year ago, she's dead, now; just died. She just hauled off and died. Well, anyway, at this funeral home for the cousin, you know, I happened to be there when she came in, and her daughter brought her in. At the time that she arrived, also the flowers that she had ordered for this cousin of mine, her grandson. And she looked at those flowers, She says, daughter, is that what you got uh, for me? For this funeral? She said, yes. A little bit of pot. And I tell you, this aunt, uh, I thought she was going to whip whip that right there. Now, she's 98 years of age, and she was so disgusted with her daughter because she didn't spend more on fire for that funeral that she was uh, just having a time with. I said, mom, quiet down. People are here. And she was just going on. Well, I don't like it. I don't like what you've done. I don't like the look of that thing. You ought to throw it out and start over again. So she's going on now. I wish I could. Be able to guide my wheelchair enthusiastically if I lived that long. Ninety-eight years of age and concerned about something in life that she didn't like. Enthusiasm. Oh, I wish that I, as I grow older, that this is one thing that I will not lose in my enthusiasm for life. I tried to call a friend here some time ago. In fact, I did. But I owe a dinner to because they'd taken us out before, and so I. Called and he answered the phone. He just retired. Well, he got tired and quit, really, I think. Anyhow, of course, he can afford it. But anyhow, I asked him, I said, uh, What are you doing tonight? Let's, let's go out to dinner. And he said, Well, oh, I don't know. I'll have to talk to the wife about it. And I said to myself, Oh, good Lord. And God told the sons I could. So there's another dinner dates that I owed, and so I thought, well, I don't like to eat by myself. Like now, we always like to eat with someone, so I called this other couple that I had, to been there minister years ago. She's in the spirit situation. she's a lawyer after being an FBI for many years, so I called her. Like right dignified people to be out with, you know, those kind of people, you like to be seen with those. And so I called, and and she answered the phone, and I said, uh, how would you like to go out for dinner tonight? And she said, hello, that's now, that is not a nice way to talk about your former preacher, right to his face. But she said it was such enthusiasm, she says, where? And what time? And we'll be there. And I got so enthusiastic about it that I would to pay for it myself as a wife had. But you know, it's, a, yeah, it's just wonderful. You know, I really enjoyed talking to that couple. I, I really do. Because here they are, they are enthusiastic about life. And any time you call them and want to share something with them, he was the lost friend that they had been expecting all this time to call. To live enthusiastically. Oh, what a difference it made. What a difference it made. I love to be around those people. I remember a few years ago going to Canada. And uh, this young man's grandparents were up there running that place, a hunting and fishing lodge in Canada. I couldn't find anybody to go with me. So this young man was about 11 years of age. I didn't want to ride up there and talk to myself. I'm making good conversations. And carry on a good conversation, but not with myself sometimes. So I want somebody to leave a 16-hour drive to ride with me. So I called a little fellow by the name of Kirk, son of my niece. And he was 11 years of age at that time. I said, Kirk, do you want to go to Canada and go fishing? And oh, he was enthusiastic about that thing. Called him two weeks before I went. Well, every other day. He'd call late, he'd call early. And he'd ask me, I just want to check up and make sure you had not left. I just want to check up. His mother said, if you ever do this again, he says, she says, you're going to have to answer me. This kid is driving me nuts. It came down the time for us to go, we left 1 o'clock during the day, and he had his father over there, you know, there to take off, made him take off from work, make sure he got there two hours or he was ready and waiting through the stuff in the car, and then he forgot something. Rushed back to the car and grabbed a big bottle, empty bottle, and had it tucked under his arm. I said, Kirk Hunt in the world is a bottle for. He said, there's not going to be any pit stop between here and Canada. <laughs> <laughs> enthusiasm. You know, that kid, we went to Canada, and he never went to sleep the whole time. Talked to me the, the whole time. And I don't know the time that I've enjoyed going to Canada any more than I did with that young man. He was enthusiastic about it. He had his knife tied on to his side. He's went back into a roof, and he was ready. Where have we lost our enthusiasm? Oh, Paul said when he looked the situation over, he said, I have not seen. Now, now, haven't you seen many a beautiful thing? Oh, my gosh, I've seen some of the most beautiful things in the world. But stand there, and you just, you just feel awesome as you look at it. You know that something is fantastic about it. You, you look at these things. You've been caught in those things. You've seen things like that. I have not seen, nor ear heard. Nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. And oh my, I can dream dreams and see visions like anyone else, like you can, and they're fantastic. And Paul says that your mind is not capable of laying hold of the magnitude of what God has prepared for you. Not for your neighbor, them too, but for you, every one of you who are here this morning. That believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish that if enthusiasm would come upon us. Like the, the, earth, the power of God came upon us long ago. You remember the Philistines came over. And started to attack Judah. And all the people of Judea went out. The great army went out. And said why are you? You Philistines beaten up on us. And they said because of those things. And if you'll go get Samson, and bring them to us. Then we won't thank you anymore. That's fine. They went out. And remember they tied old samson up with some rope and, and tied him up so he could hardly it but so the only thing that i asked of you got to swear to me that you won't kill him but they let the Philistines do it and they swore to him well will let him tie you and take you down there to the camp we won't kill you we'll let them do the job and so they tied him up and put him down and soon as they glowed in the camp you remember the whole philistine army came out some thousand of them came out and and gathered around, all the old things, and all tied up there. And that moment, when he stood up, the spirit of the Lord, the power, of the dynamite, the dynamite hit him, and he broke his ropes. And there happened to be a dead donkey there, and he grabbed up the jawbone of that dead animal. And the scripture says he killed thousands of them that day. The secret was that the power of God came upon him. Over in the New Testament, you on the day of Pentecost, the same thing happened. Uh, that the, the will of God, the Holy Spirit, fell upon them, and they were filled to capacity, and it demonstrated itself with enthusiasm. Well, I certainly may not be too good, but I'm right enthusiastic about it anyway. We have something to be. We have, if anyone upon the face of this given earth, has got something to be happy, to rejoice about, to be glad over. To cause them to fill their days and have a, have a something, a fight out there, uh, a, a something to shoot towards, a goal. We, don't have it. we know that we know that we know that we have a part in faith in the King of God. That he told me, no, it doesn't start tomorrow. it is has already started today. The day that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We think we have lost not only our sense of, of uh, being enthusiastic, about life but there's long sense of urgency. Behold today is the day of salvation. Take heart, dear friend. God is not finished. And the Lord Jesus Christ has not quit. He's not quit. Still making plans. Still have things that he wants to see done. He'll have people to be reached. He'll have people out here to be saved. He'll have people out here to be encouraged and brought in to this fellowship of God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ took a page right straight out, a slice right out of line. When he was talking, these people understood what he was talking about here, you see, because he was dealing with something that they participated in uh, in their life. He didn't make up the story. It is straight out of every little walk of life. The greatest thing that they had back there to rejoice over uh, was a marriage. It was the only time that they could pick off and be free of their work and just really to enjoy life for a few days, the whole wedding party. But instead of waiting till they're married and then for them to do something to the groom, they did it in those days before. They tried to trick you. And so the game was the bridegroom tried to trick the wedding party. And so they knew that there was going to be a wedding, but no final hour was ever set. No date was ever put. It would happen soon, within a couple of weeks. And then the bridegroom would try to trick out everybody else. And the party that was really interested, they would watch watching day and night. And in this case, situation, you see, he waited to midnight before he announced, this is the hour in which I'm going to be married. But the had the law was that you had to send a runner ahead of you and say this was the hour. And so the runner went out. And there are those who were ready. And there are those who were caught napping. Now, Jesus is trying to tell us something about a approach that you and I can make to life, about a sense of, of being awake and a sense of urgency. You see, the Old Testament writer felt that if we had wisdom, that we would number our days so that we could apply our hearts to understanding and to fulfillment. You see, Christian people have always been people of action. They go, they come, they do, they're called, they're sent. They come back. They make a report. They go out. They get up. They sit down. And so they are people of action. It's always been that way. How can we read the New Testament and the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ without feeling that these are people of action today and in his days? And all of this within an attitude of joy. Why not? We're absolutely sure of our future. You are. You're here because you believe in Christ. Trusting. You trust him. You can afford to trust him completely and totally. I tell you, there's fantastic things to come. There will be a payday someday. Look forward to it. This may be only Wednesday, but tomorrow is payday, so you can enjoy today, and we also enjoy today. You're absolutely sure of the future. You know what's going to happen. We know that we're going to share in his glory and in his reign and in his kingdom. I like what the John the Revelator said, and I close with this in the book of Revelation. He says, I, John, so saw the holy city of God, the New Jerusalem coming down from God like a bride adorned for her husband. Now he heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and God will be with them, and they will be with God, and God will wipe away all of their tears. There shall be no more cry. Our sorrow, or pain, or agony, or death, because the former things are all wiped away. There's a new day, and a new kingdom, and Jesus will be there. My friend, that's what you know, and I know. What about this hour? Is that not enough to cause you to be the person that you need today, knowing full well that there's no way upon the face of this God-given earth that you can fail unless you sit down. Oh, our Father, may we hear anew within these hearts and spirits of ours this morning what Jesus was saying so that we can live our lives properly today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.